The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections, everybody. This week we've got an interesting show that applies to just about anybody listening. This week's show is about hair loss. We all lose hair. It's a normal thing, actually, to lose hair. We're going to talk about some of the abnormal losses of hair and or some of the more aggressive losses and what we can do to stop it or to, to minimize it, and maybe even some things that we can do to make the appearance look better, to actually increase the amount of hair you've got or make it look like you've got greater hair. Hair is a big topic. Whether you're a man or woman, most people at some point in their life will have some issue with thinning or losing hair. Let's talk a little bit about how hair grows. Hair is it grows in many different cycles, and the hair that's growing now will take a break after a while. There's only about 90% of your hair that's growing at any time. You've got about 10% of your hair that is resting, and in that resting phase, it can take two or three months off and then begin growing again. Actually, what happens is the hair that grows, grows to a certain point, then it stops, takes a break, and after its break, that particular hair falls out. In fact, it's pretty normal for the average person to lose 50 to 100 hairs every day. So if you're in the shower and you're washing your hair and you look down at your hand and you see you got you know five or six hairs stuck to your hand, it's not time to run out to the store and get your hair growth formula, uh, which we'll talk about today. It's time to relax because that's normal. 50 to 100 hairs a day is completely normal. There's nothing to worry about. However, some people have much greater hair loss than just 50 or 100 hairs a day, and you start seeing the effects on your scalp. In men, you generally see the horseshoe hair that, that will ultimately stay forever, that continues to grow, but you can have thinning in the temples, receding hairline in the temples, in the front of the head, in the crown, the top of your head. These are the common areas where men will lose hair. There are women that also lose hair in that pattern, but women can lose hair really in almost a random pattern. There's no particular way that women have to lose hair, and there is a male pattern and a female pattern type of baldness, and there are certain things that work well for men and work well for women, and some things that work well for both. Let's talk about different types of hair loss. The majority of hair loss, which actually affects as much as one-third of all men and women, is called androgenetic alopecia. Alopecia is the medical term for hair loss. And androgenetic alopecia is the most common type of hair loss. Now, there is something called alopecia areata. Alopecia areata is a patchy loss of hair, and this is something that uh, can look 
really odd. This is not following any particular pattern. You can have a, a perfectly bald spot in one patch of hair in your head or a couple patches, and these can actually lose, have hair loss to the point where it's actually smooth scalp that you're seeing, not just thinning, and it can be pretty frightening. Alopecia, alopecia areata is a completely different thing than the androgenetic alopecia, the, the male pattern baldness that we see, and the treatments are also different. There's all their types of hair loss that uh, that you'll see. Uh, something called telogen effluvium. Telogen effluvium is uh, usually induced by illness or stress, and you can, you have, can have clumps of hair that fall out, and uh, that can be pretty alarming. It, it is something, however, that once the stress or illness goes away, usually gets better. There's something called traction effluvium. Effluvium, this, this word effluvium generally stands for loss of hair. And so traction effluvium, uh, it has to do with people that wear wigs or wear hair pieces or uh, sometimes actors and actresses that have to wear various things attached to their head with traction, pulling on their hair. That traction, any kind of stress to the hair itself into the scalp, can produce hair loss. In fact, people that wear hats that have lots of friction on the head or uh, hats that pull or, or push on the hair in certain ways, that can lead to things like traction effluvium. And then, of course, uh, something that people are all familiar with, chemotherapy, other medications can cause some hair loss. Uh, nutritionally, there's lots of things that can contribute to this, particularly having poor protein in your diet or poor iron stores. Poor nutrition in general is a bad thing and can lead to hair loss. There are certain medications that can do it, antidepressant medications, antihypertensives that people might be taking for blood pressure. Uh, and the big culprit in medications is oral contraceptives. There's so much to talk about, and we've got so much ground to cover. I really want to get one of our experts into the show now. We're very privileged to have Mr. Spencer Cobran joining us. Uh, Mr. Cobran is the founder and president of the American Hair Loss Association. He's a great advocate for patients suffering from hair loss and really tries to get the truth out. In fact, he has, uh, I think his, his website is thebaldtruth.com. Welcome, Spencer Cobran. Spencer, are you with us this morning? Hey, Doc. Thanks for having me. How are you? Um, it's my pleasure to have you. Thanks for coming and joining us this morning. And uh, I wanted to have you speak a little bit about the American Hair Loss Association. Tell me what sort of service you're providing for folks out there with hair loss. Well, first of all, I think it's important that, you know, you, you mentioned some stats, and one thing that I think people need to know, it's actually about two-thirds of men by the age of 35 who will suffer with some degree of hair loss, usually caused by androgenetic alopecia or male or female pattern baldness. And the reason I say that is because it's, it's such a, a prevalent issue, and it's really like a silent epidemic that, you know, most people really don't want to talk about, and that's one of the reasons why I founded the American Hair Loss Association because due to the fact that society doesn't really allow us to talk about it, it's difficult to share information and to really share the truth, we want to provide a safe place where hair loss sufferers can come educate themselves, where the media can come and educate themselves about the realities of hair loss, treatments that are out there that actually work, and, you know, sadly, about the treatments out there that don't work. You know what? Yeah, and that's a, that's a big problem, actually. And you, I'm, I'm glad you... you mentioned the statistic of the two-thirds, you know, one-third in my research, I think that includes all men and women. I think if you look at men separately, you're right, there's probably two-thirds, but it, it really is a tremendously prevalent problem. And the biggest part of the problem is what you're touching on now. It's not so much that we've got it. I think people 
everyone recognizes, hey, you know, you're born, you live, you get older, and you're going to lose some hair. That's right. When it becomes a problem with the way you look, you don't like the way you look, I think what's what's a little taboo is stepping up and saying, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. What can I do to actually help my hair grow? It's a little bit of a private thing, and people are very vulnerable, just like they are with all the things that, that I do as a plastic surgeon. Sure. People are vulnerable. You know, This is something that bothers them. So you are just get, touching on the, the things that they can do that do help, and more importantly, I think the real problem in this industry are all the claims that are made on things that pan out just not to be very effective. Now, look, you're right about that, and that's that's why we do this. You know, um, it, it's it's a $3.5 billion a year industry with 99% of the products being sold that claim to stop or prevent hair loss that, that really are bogus. They don't work. So just about everything you see online, in the back of magazines, uh, through infomercials, are products that are questionable at best. And you have to think to yourself, you know, if these companies, if these guys who are on, uh, online who are selling ebooks or if these companies who are putting out infomercials really held the cure, the key for the treatment or, and prevention of hair loss, these companies would be on the cover of Time magazine. Right, of course. Yeah, they certainly wouldn't be on a, the infomercial at 1130 at night, uh, you know, on some uh, minor cable network. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be standing, at, you know, in the, exactly on the cover of Time magazine, receiving the Nobel Prize. And, Absolutely. And, and retiring to go fishing every day from their <laughs> yacht, you know. But the thing, you know, you, you said a mouthful when you, when, you, uh, uh, when you were talking about how vulnerable hair loss sufferers are. We're vulnerable uh, from, uh, you know, through, uh, because of several things. And one of the reasons we're vulnerable, and I mentioned it before, is because it's such a hush-hush uh, situation. It's like a societal pariah. You know, we, we can't, as men especially, you know, it's bad enough that we're losing our hair, uh, but we can't acknowledge the fact that we're concerned about losing our hair. And God forbid if we try to do something, whether it's through cosmetic surgery or even the simple medical treatment of hair loss, we're looked at as vain as opposed to, you know, uh, just trying to, uh, you know, regain something that we once had. We're not necessarily, we're not trying to augment ourselves or enhance our appearance. We're trying to maintain our appearance or to try to regain what we once had. And I yeah, think it certainly is, it certainly is a different thing. You know, when someone comes for a cosmetic procedure, in most cases, they're looking to try and improve to change and improve their appearance in a way that is different from how they were born. This is really more restorative and not not something that's an aesthetic improvement, although it may achieve an aesthetic improvement. It's not, that's not the intent. You're just trying to get back to a normal state. But let's talk a little bit about the over-the-counter treatments. You have an expertise, really, in having surveyed this industry over many years sure. about what works and what doesn't. Have you seen anything over-the-counter, something you can walk into Walgreens or CVS and plunk down you know, your, your 20 bucks or whatever it might cost and walk out feeling pretty good that you've got something that might help? Yeah, I mean, the only uh, FDA-approved product that is now over-the-counter is minoxidil. Uh, the brand name is Rogaine, and they have a 2% for women, 5% for men. Most doctors, as you know, will uh, suggest to their female patients to go right for the 5% solution because it's more effective. But I think it's important that, that your listeners understand that, you know, and again, I have to preface everything that I say by letting you guys know that I'm not a physician. But, you know, the truth is, Rogaine and minoxidil really act as almost like a temporary bandage, a band-aid. It may keep your hair in antigen phase for a longer period of time. It may last several years. But because you're not getting to the root, so to speak, no pun intended, because you're not getting to, to the hormonal issues, especially in men, it really is a temporary fix. Well, but, but it really is the only thing. In terms of FDA-approved treatments, in med medical treatments, 
really minoxidil is the only thing that is FDA approved as a medication for women. That's right. And, you know, we can also mention, we probably mentioned Propecia, Propecia, which is the brand name of uh, finasteride. Right. Finasteride and minoxidil are the two medications that are FDA approved. Minoxidil is called Rogaine in the store and finasteride is called Propecia. And that's by prescription. I should say that Propecia, finasteride, is not for women. That's and correct. in fact, there are some there's some significant side effects that you'll see with uh, finasteride propecia potentially in men, uh, particularly decreased sex drive. And there's a recent article. I don't know uh, if you've seen this. I have. Uh, there's a recent article that just came out talking about the long-term effects. Now, even after you stop taking propecia, you may suffer some of this sexual dysfunction for many months after you've taken it. So, well, let me give so, you my take real quick. Sure. Um, now I've been on the drug uh, finasteride since uh, about 1994. The reason I wrote my book, my first book, The Ball of Truth, is because finasteride really changed my life, and I wanted to get the information out there uh, to the public even before the drug was approved for hair loss. Now, clinically, at least uh, according to Merck's data, less than 2% of, of men who uh, use this drug experience any adverse uh, sexual side effects, whether it's impotence, lowered libido, uh, lowered amount of ejaculant, so on and so forth. Uh, throughout the years as the drug has been on the market as Propecia in the one milligram form of finasteride, there have been some more anecdotal, you know, reports of some longer term side effects, perhaps some gynecomastia, perhaps some, you know, depression, uh, brain fog, things like that, which really no one could really focus on because there wasn't enough clinical data. Now, as you know, as a physician, you know, once you're talking about libido or sex drive or impotence, you know, the power of suggestion is huge. You know, sure. When it comes yeah. to sex and men. I mean, if you can't perform once, especially if you're younger and you've never dealt with it before, I mean, the amount of anxiety that it causes could actually cause what some people would think would be almost permanent impotence. Yeah, it certainly can. It's a, you speak about vulnerability. Men that have this trouble, it's a, it's a serious problem, and it certainly can lead to greater anxiety, which leads potentially to more dysfunction. And it can be a, a downhill snowball that just gets a bigger and bigger problem. But like you, like you mentioned before, I think it is a fairly small amount of patients that will have this issue. The, the point of the article that came out recently is just saying that, hey, if you have this side effect, you should expect to have it for some point, at some point in time, for a length of time, after you stop taking these pills. It, and that, I think, is an important thing to understand. You really should know all the pluses and minuses, anything you're considering doing. That being said, Propecia helps a lot of men. And well, it is a very it, effective medication. It does. And to be clear, you know, it's, it's still, it's a fraction of that fraction of percent, percentage of guys who do have the adverse side effects that believe that it's long lasting. I mean, you can sure. literally count it on, you know, less than a hundred people that have come forward, you know, throughout the world who believe that that's the case. Now there are about 1500 that belong to this website, propeciahelp.com, that talk about all the different adverse side effects. But, you know, listen, I don't, I'm, I'm not involved with Merck in any way. I don't make, you know, I have no uh, financial ties to Merck. I just think that hair loss sufferers would be doing themselves a great disservice to not, at, at the very least, not talk to their doctors about using this drug. Uh, so particularly, of course, the, the male hair right. loss patients. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we'll be back with Spencer Cobrin talking about hair loss here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. 
Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Corrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Corrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to New Reflections. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon. I'm here with Mr. Spencer Cobran, who is the founder and president of the American Hair Loss Association, uh, the author of The Bald Truth and, and the creator and, and owner of TheBaldTruth.com. We're having a great discussion about hair loss. and We just talked about minoxidil and finasteride. These are the only medications that are FDA-approved for the treatment of hair loss. Minoxidil is actually over-the-counter. We didn't really talk much about some of the other over-the-counter products. Like you mentioned it's a, a multi-billion-dollar industry, and yeah. the majority of that is not in the medications that are being dispensed. The majority of that is in over-the-counter treatments that promise to help get you a nice full head of hair again. That's right. What do you, what do you think about all that? Well, listen, you know, I mean, we, we, we're in a society where, you know, we want to stay away from medication as, as much as we can, and that's, you know, sadly... You know, people need to know that hair loss is a medical condition. Currently, it can only be cre- treated 
uh, with FDA-approved medication. And herbs and all these other products out there really have not proven to be beneficial. I, I think it's important to note that in my first book, The Ball of Truth, I wrote the first herbal chapter actually bringing to light the possibility of saw palmetto, pygium africanium, and some other herbs like stinging nettle being able to lower or reduce DHT levels in men, which we thought at the time might help with hair loss. All right, now let's take a moment just to explain to the listeners that DHT is the, the product that testosterone gets broken down into that is believed to be the culprit in male pattern baldness. So if you were able to inhibit the production of DHT, if you were able to change the levels of DHT that are being produced, then theoretically you'd have an effect on hair loss. Correct. But that, uh, I guess, did not really pan out to be correct with the well, herbal. It doesn't, it doesn't pan out with herbs, with the herbal preparations. And you know what? I, I, and I, I say this for a reason, because I did write that chapter. And sadly, because the book was so popular, you know, a lot of companies kind of latched onto those formulations and then, you know, started to uh, sell them as hair loss products. Now, uh, I've obviously changed my tune uh, over the last, you know, uh, you know, eight nine years. And when people come to us asking about herbal preparations, you know, we say, you know what? Uh, there's no clinical data showing that it works. There's not much anecdotal data. You know, really use it as a last resort. But the problem with that is, if you combine medication with herbs, people have to understand that herbs are really, you know, like from nature's pharmacy. So they could exacerbate possible side effects and things like that. So you have to be really careful. But well, answer- yeah, no question. Not to mention that there's not, not necessarily just exacerbating the problem. They, there will be interactions, and they're working in similar mechanisms, and so you might be inhibiting something that we know works. So Absolutely. be careful about mixing these things. And one thing to mention, people are very vulnerable and insecure about this problem. And it's not something that they're going to you know, discuss at cocktail parties and compare their notes and see what works. And it, It's a very private thing. And it's one of those things where you're standing in Walgreens and you're getting something else and you see this thing that talks about hair loss. You are vulnerable. You might, you might want to give it a shot. People are willing to do almost anything That's to right. grow hair. I, you know, I, I talk about it openly. I'm the guy at cocktail parties that talks about it. And, you know, I, sadly, when I was 21 years old, 20, 21 years old, uh, this was in the dark ages of, of the hair loss world. And things haven't changed that much, to tell you the truth. I was doing everything from hanging upside down using gravity boots to rubbing <laughs> cayenne pepper into my into my scalp. Taking yeah, I remember that was that was recommended at one time. The whole cayenne pepper thing. Taking niacin, buying every product and service I spent, and you know I, I had to find the money at the time because I was a young kid. Probably close to ten thousand uh, dollars flying different parts of the country to do certain types of therapy. I mean, I was obsessed. With trying to maintain and stop my hair loss, keep my hair. And, and there you go. You're not. You're certainly not the only one. I'm sure your story is one of thousands and thousands of people that feel the same way. And that's why this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Absolutely. So if we can, if we can just make the statement, I think the vast majority of things over the counter are probably not going to be effective for anyone. That's right. Except for minoxidil, and and there may be a smattering of products that have anecdotal evidence that something does get better, meaning, you know, a couple people say that it's helped them. The thing that we know consistently has been shown to help is minoxidil, and by prescription, uh, finasteride. And and apart from that, there are other options besides topical creams and lotions and shampoos that we can fairly well dismiss on whole. There are a few products. There's one product I wanted to mention very briefly, and uh, it's made by a company called Jamarine. You know, we've had Jan on the show before, and uh, I'm a fan of the products overall. I have personally used their products called the Marini Hair Revitalizing Conditioner. One thing I want to mention is that none of these products 
other than the minoxidil and the finasteride. None of them are going to have a real significant change in the quality and the consistency and the quantity of the hair that you're going to grow to a great extent, but they will, some of them will give you mild improvements, and I think this revitalizing conditioner is one of them. It uses a spironolactone, a spironolac, which is the proprietary name they've given it, uh, along with a retinol and then a proprietary peptide blend that has been shown to help grow hair. I've seen over, the, over time, three months or more, a, a definite increase in the thickness and the quality of the hair and perhaps in the quantity. So there are things out there that might get a, a little bit of uh, benefit, but the only thing we know that really helps are the FDA-approved medications. Now, beyond the medications and topical treatments, what do you think of lasers? Well, you know, the... the, the uh the jury is still out, in my opinion, when it comes to low-level laser light therapy. There has been some strong anecdotal evidence showing that there might be some improvement, especially in women or especially in guys who are going through the initial throes of hair loss to potentially help to reverse the miniaturization process, which is when the hair follicles actually start to shrink and, and miniaturize. Uh, some people do experience a slight uh, thickening effect. Uh, some people claim that they're getting a shinier, healthier looking head of hair, but, you know, at least according to what we've seen clinically, it seems very minimal. And at this point, and I have to be fair, uh, we do not recommend it to the American Hair Loss Association. And I want to just say on a personal level, I've been approached personally by uh, several low-level laser light therapy companies to endorse and to promote their products through my radio program and through my other resources uh, and offered a significant amount of money annually. And I have turned it down because at this point, I can't recommend it. But with that said, there are a few doctors that I uh, respect very highly who I do recommend who use it, utilize low-level laser light therapy in their practices, and they're claiming they're seeing results. And uh, sometimes even as an adjunct to surgery, I think these things can have some efficacy. Again, just like the, the topical treatments, you're not going to see a tremendous head of hair. You know, we were talking earlier, you're not going to get suddenly a chia pet head from sitting under a laser for, you know, a, a few weeks. But you will, in some cases, see an improvement. And there are actually some FDA-approved devices. Spencer, would you mind staying with us while we introduce our next guest and maybe uh, have a little panel discussion I, as we go I'd on? be my pleasure, sure. Great. That would be great. Now, right now, I'd like to introduce Mr. William Blatter. Mr. Blatter is the president and CEO of the Hair Loss Control Clinic. He's got a tremendous amount of experience in the laser industry, particularly for the uh, for use in hair loss. And uh, Bill, are you with us this morning? Absolutely. Welcome. Great. Thanks. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for calling in. I guess you had a chance to listen a little bit to what Spencer and I were speaking about. And uh, I thought it was a good time to introduce you to the show. Now, I, I do believe that the laser technology has efficacy and, and I think it will pan out. I think part of the problem with, with this whole industry is that there hasn't been a lot of studies of any real quality to demonstrate whether or not it works. So you have to believe when it's only anecdotal evidence that it's not working. But, Bill, you have a, a couple devices that are FDA approved. Well, yeah, and, and I guess that's one of the things that I would say that I think there's when you have two FDA approved devices and one shows 93% of the people regrew hair and the most recent 100% of the women had an increase in hair count, and 97% of those women grew 20% or more hair, and 77% of those women grew 50% or more hair in the area that they studied, and both of those were with laser by itself. That's a little bit more than anecdotal. I mean, those are two devices that the FDA approved. So just like 
they approved minoxidil that showed about 85%. Very significant. These showed greater regrowth than did minoxidil. Now, were the, methods, were the methods that they were using to look at the hair regrowth similar to the minoxidil studies? Uh, yes, they were. They were not by any means the exact, but both of those studies, and particularly the last one that showed the 100% of women regrowing hair, was not only approved by the FDA, but the Western IRB, which is a very respected association of hundreds of doctors, approved the study before they even started the study. And the individual study itself, not only was that study reviewed, but it was independently reviewed by multiple organizations where they blew up the hair count into huge sizes and multiple people recounted those hair, doctors and nurses and things. And it was done by a very respected transplant surgeon, uh, Shelly Kabak, or excuse me, um, uh, Dr. Kohler. And uh, so it's a very good study. I mean, is it the best study ever done? No, none of the studies, you know, out there are perfect, but it was very significant. And I think the thing that's important to realize, and I think this is part of what you guys were getting at, that not any one thing is a miracle cure. Hey, if Bill, me or anybody cool. else had a miracle cure, you're right. We, you know, you could be sitting on the yacht. But hey, I think hey, the important hey, well, thing... Bill, give, Bill, hold on. I think Spencer has a question. Bill, Spencer. I have a question for you, and, and sure. I, I think those stats are great, by the way. And if that's, if that's the case, then... You know, I think people should take advantage of this of this type of therapy. But you were mentioning FDA approved, and to my knowledge, there are no FDA approved low level laser light therapy devices. There are FDA cleared. Well, cleared, and and most people understand where you're right. It technically cleared is is the proper term, but most people understand the approved because they hear things approved for drugs. So they are cleared devices, which is basically the laser's equivalent of what people normally think of as a drug being approved, they're cleared devices. So you're right, technically that's the way. Although and, also, and in fairness, just to be clear, just to be clear, with a device, there, as far as I understand, there really is no such thing as FDA approval. No, there but isn't. It's, it's 510K clearance, and it, it's a lot different than being approved as a, uh, like a drug is approved for the growth or for the treatment of hair loss. That, that, that's fair. And I think, I think you'll agree, Bill, that the scrutiny that a medication gets is probably greater than a device gets because it's really more about uh, the safety of the device uh, and, and still about efficacy, but not quite as much as, you know, three phases of trials that medications have to go through. Sure, and certainly. And, and it also has to do with uh, each product, and one of the things the FDA looks at is also harm. You know, is something going to harm you? And that's one of the important things that's looked at, whether it be a drug or a device. And and in this case, you know, they not only did they clear it, but they also found no side effects in this study. And low-level light laser has been studied for almost 35 years now and over 3,500 studies, and nobody's ever had any uh, severe or any uh, reaction that's known of in any of those yeah, studies. Yeah, and I can tell you, at least in, in my practice, I do use low-level light for other purposes. I don't use it for hair as yet, although we may in the future. Uh, I... Can, can vouch for my practice to say that I've never seen after hundreds and hundreds, maybe, maybe thousands of treatments, uh, that I've never seen an adverse outcome. It really is such a mild, gentle way to treat somebody. It's a pretty safe thing. We're going to take a break now. Uh, we've got a, a short commercial break and come back and continue this discussion all about hair loss and how we can help prevent its continuing effect. We'll be right back.
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Do you know if kidney disease is affecting you? Are your kidneys healthy? You may have kidney disease and not even be aware of it. 26 million people have been affected by kidney disease. Teenagers today are being diagnosed with symptoms such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. These conditions can worsen kidney health and cause kidney disease. Be sure to tune in to improve your kidney health with your host, Dr. Rich Snyder, every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The information you get on this program could help save your life. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're having a great discussion about hair loss, and we're just discussing the efficacy and the FDA clearance of a couple laser devices. Uh, Bill, tell me about the devices. How do they work? What is the typical way someone would use them? Well, typically um, the devices are going to be used, although many people will use them individually, uh, using them in a multi-therapeutic approach with a combination of things, uh, things like enhanced minoxidil, uh, propecia or herbal propecias and things like that are the best way that we've seen results because there is no one miracle cure. But when you put together the best lasers, the best enhanced minoxidil or propecia or combination with nutrition, scalp hygiene, um, blocking of DHT, either herbally or with propecia, you're going to get the best results. It's not brain surgery, if you put all the best things together, you're going to get the best result. Sure. I mean, none of these things are, are the, the miracle cure. You're right. And there's no, there's no one product that's going to do everything that you want it to do or one treatment. And even if you're going on to surgery, which we're going to discuss in a little while, I think it's wise to consider some of the adjunctive therapy that you can use, whether it's a laser, whether it's uh, you know, scalp care, or certainly good nutrition, something everyone should practice. But when we're looking at these lasers, What's the typical treatment protocol? Someone wants to do a, a, a treatment, what are they going to do and how is it going to work? Well, typically what they're going to do is come in typically twice a week. And, and really I should start by saying there are multiple ways to use laser. First of all, very traditionally people come into a clinic twice a week for typically 30 minutes. Some people will come in a third time a week. But typically twice a week for a period of six months to a year. Some people will continue with the laser treatment. Um, and then there's handheld devices that you can bring at home, and they work well, but one of the biggest problems with the handhelds is compliance. People get tired of holding it over their head. So more recently, 
uh, home clinic lasers have become more and more popular where you sit under a device at home while you're reading or watching TV and you get 75 or 100 lasers on your head. And even more recently, there's been some hats or helmets. Again, like anything, as uh, Spencer was saying before, there you can have devices that are good and not ones that are not good. So not only do you want to make sure that when you buy anything, you're getting something from a quality organization and thing, but you're getting the right ones as well. And so in I, terms of, please, sorry, yes, Spencer. I'm sorry to cut you off, Doc, but I'd like to make it clear that I basically have a museum here uh, in my home of every <laughs> device known to man. Every manufacturer sends me their device. And, and to be frank, if I could be candid, you know, I am in a position where if I wanted to get one of the, you know, $35,000 units as my, you know, easy chair uh, in front of my television and use that every day, the manufacturer would provide it to me for our endorsement. So, you know, I do think, and again, you know, um, I, I do think there might be some use for this, but I just don't want users and listeners to, to think that, and he, I think you made this clear, that it's the end-all, be-all. Maybe there's some benefit to it, perhaps in combination with FDA-approved products, you might see uh, substantial benefit or more benefit than you would with drugs alone. But I just don't want people to get the impression that if they go to these clinics that they're going to save their hair just by sitting under a laser. Yeah, sure. This is, this well, is like, like anything else, it's another tool. But I think, you know, when we're looking at, at laser devices, Bill, and you and I have discussed this off the air before, your lasers are, are done differently, and you have an advantage. I think we, we should talk a little bit about how the different machines, because you know, people are going to listen to the show. They're going to look at things on the Internet, and they're going to go out looking for these treatments because, hey, they may help. And, and again, if, I want to state that this is just my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an educator in this field, and I'm obviously a hair loss researcher, but you know what? I've been wrong before. So no, I just, but hey, listen, I don't think I don't think it's right or wrong. I think you'd agree that there may be some some help with this. I don't think it, I think we all agree. Even even Bill, I think you'd agree that this is you're not going to look at a laser as something that's going to suddenly grow a, a head of hair on someone that has significant thinning of hair. But it, it may be something that will help regrow some of the thinning hair and in, sure. improve the quality. And and because of that, I think it's worth considering if it's within the, your means and something you want to try, uh, along with other adjunctive therapies or even using medication as your primary therapy, it's worth looking into, but there's a big difference between the different machines that you may look into, whether it's the home, the combs, the, the helmets, or the, the chairs for home, or one that you'd go to use in a doctor's office. Now, like I was saying, Bill, you, you and I have chatted about this before. There's a difference in the number of lasers that are used, the types of lasers that are used. Can you give us a little, a quick background on what's out there and what makes your machines different? Well, it ultimately comes down to the quality of the diodes that are used and the, the things that control them and things like that. I mean, you can buy a diode for a laser from anywhere from $2 to $3,000. Um, so there's a wide variety of things that may be called, and typically the lasers that are used, and all the studies have been on 5-milliwatt, 650-nanometer lasers. But there's a huge difference in the cost and the quality of those, so you'll find places out there that are, you know, as, as you were saying before in the Internet, that'll say, oh, we have, you know, so many devices and so many, you know, diodes in the device. But there is a difference in the quality. So part of what you want to do, no matter who you're dealing with, is make sure you're dealing with an organization and people that are not promising you the world but are being realistic. And, and that's what our organization and people associate with us. And we have 130 affiliated clinics in 27 countries around the world, and we've been doing this for 25 years. And part of the reason that we've been successful 
And it's like a lot of organizations. You tell people the truth. And the reality we find is that almost everybody, and not everybody, will stop their hair loss and regrow some hair. But it, it depends on how much hair you've got. And laser itself works through what's called biophotostimulation. And they've proven five different things that laser does. It increases the ATP and helps the protein synthesis or protein proliferation or growth. It helps increase circulation. Some studies have shown it over 54%. There's actually been some studies that increase the size of the capillaries. So all those things are basically helping you getting your hair back into the normal growth cycle. And again, as you said, it's much easier to take a small hair that is fine and get that hair back in the hair cycle than a hair that's been dormant for five years. You may get some of those, but you're much more likely to take those thin hairs and make them fuller and thicker. And that's the same thing with minoxidil or enhanced versions of minoxidil with salt palmetto or improved penetration. It's all about taking the hairs you've got, making them bigger, and getting some of the other ones back going. Some people get a lot. Some people get a little. But there's a big difference uh, between how you put things together. And I think that's the thing that everybody should look at is who are you going to to talk about this? And it's a challenge because most doctors and most dermatologists that's not what they spend their time on. They're spending well, that's their time true, on other there, things. There are doctors out there, and there are many doctors who specialize in, in hair loss. And uh, particularly, I think, the places you want to go are always places that offer a variety of choices. If you go to a place that only has one thing to offer, then you're going to end up having that one thing offered to you. So if you're going to a place that only does hair loss treatment, with medications or only does hair loss treatment using a laser and topicals or only does surgery, then you're going to walk out having received the advice that that is something that you can do. But well, if doctor, you go, there's, there's a guy down in your area by the name of Dr. Alan Bauman who's a huge proponent, proponent of low-level laser light therapy. He's also a, a hair transplant surgeon and utilizes just about everything out there for the treatment and prevention of hair loss. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had many debates with him, and he's a doctor that I recommend through my organizations. Uh, about low-level laser light therapy, and he, like you guys, you know, I mean, and, and absolutely believes in this therapy. Um, and you're talking about, you know, doing the multi-therapeutic uh, approach. He is one guy, if you are down in South Florida, uh, to consider even, you know, to speaking with, and he has a great deal of knowledge when it comes to uh, low-level laser light therapy. I'm sure you guys, uh, Bill, you know about him, right? Oh, yeah, de definitely, and he's definitely somebody that takes it a multi-therapeutic approach. And, and again, that's, that's key because if you really look at it, and we've been, like I said, doing this for 25 years, and we've been using laser for 18 years. Things develop over the time. The lasers we're using today compared to what we used 18 years ago, even seven years ago, are phenomenal better. The number of diodes, the treatment programs, how they've been developed and, and treated. And, and that's another thing. If you're talking to somebody, make sure the people that you're talking to can vary your treatment based on you as a patient because not everybody needs the same thing. I mean, some people can come in and, and use laser to just stop their hair loss. That may be their goal. Other people are going to need much more things. Maybe some people want to add Propecia to it. There's a number of different things. And if you're not going to someone who can vary your treatment based on you as a patient, then you're not getting the best treatment. The, the yeah, I think, I think we all agree. You, you definitely want to go to a clinic that offers a wide variety of things. And I, I'm familiar with Dr. Bauman. He's one of the most respected hair restoration specialists in South Florida, certainly someone worth going to talk to. Uh, so let's, let's take a look at what a patient has to choose from, and then we're going to uh, actually bring on our next guest to join the conversation. 
right now we're discussing all the treatments that don't include going to the operating room. And those options include minoxidil and Propecia. Minoxidil if you're a woman, minoxidil and or Propecia if you're a man. There's a variety of topical things that have questionable benefit. Uh, and now we've been talking about lasers that also are adjunctive. They're, they're probably not going to be the only thing someone's going to do, even if someone comes only for laser treatment. They're probably going to use some sort of scalp conditioning or definitely get counseling in, in uh, their nutritional status. And, and most often, if they're going to get the very best results, likely be using minoxidil and or Propecia along with their laser regimen. But now we're coming to the folks where the hair loss is so significant that uh, there is really no way to uh, get the results that someone wants. You've got big bald patches, big areas where you know we've all seen the comb over, which is just just not attractive. And people that can't get the hair to grow through medicinal purpose, medicinal methods, taking medications, using lasers and topicals, they have an option. And there's a great option. That option is surgery. The surgery has had a pretty bad reputation over the years. We're privileged to have one of the greatest hair transplant surgeons in the country, uh, one of the best in the world, with us today on the show when we're going to get with him right after this short commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Alfonso Barrera, board-certified plastic surgeon and hair transplant, uh, transplant specialist on New Reflections. Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're having a terrific discussion. We've got Spencer Cobrin uh, with his experience in hair loss and lending his knowledge and advocacy for patients. I've got uh, Bill Blatter, who is President and CEO of the Hair Loss Control Clinic. And now we're going to introduce Dr. Alfonso Barrera. He's a board-certified plastic surgeon that practices in Houston, Texas. He's one of the premier hair transplant surgeons in the United States, perhaps in the world. He lectures all over the world on hair transplant techniques. He's published a textbook on it. Dr. Barrera, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Adam, and um, I'm glad to be to be here and uh, participate. So, well, uh, 
We were just chatting about the non-surgical methods, and I just gave a little introduction to the surgical methods. Now, the surgery has had a bad reputation from the years of the plugs. People had, it looked like rows of corn growing in their head. Uh, that's, that's long since been the history uh, in this field, and with micrografting techniques, which you've helped spread the use of, I think there's lots of folks out there that have hair transplants that no one would really notice if it's done properly, but we still have some issues with poorly done work. Tell us, what have been the advances that you think are most important in hair transplants? Well, basically, uh, the, uh, the concept of utilizing very, very small grafts in large numbers, and, uh, you, know, the, you know, there's, of course, an artistry in how to place those grafts to get it to look Really, totally natural. We can get to look totally natural without detectable scarring, uh, without visible scarring. Um, and uh, there's, you know, a, a good few people doing very good work these days. Of course, uh, 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 Dr. Spencer Coburn is one of them, and there's many of them. Shapiro and um, Bernstein. There's a lot of good, good guys. Uh, I've been doing uh, basically. I was inspired by the work of Carlos Ubel. In uh, 1991, he published in the Annals of Plastic Surgery the use of what he called at, at the time the punctiform technique, which is uh, very, very uh, making a lot of little tiny incisions and, and putting a graft. Uh, he does what's called a stick and place, makes a small incision and puts the graft in. So what, just to be clear, so people are listening will understand, we're talking about grafting one and two hairs at a time. Right. In the front hair, you want to grab, grab with just one, a maximum two hairs. Uh, each graph, you know, very, very small graphs in the front. You want to follow the orientation, the natural orientation of hair. That is, if the patient has some residual hair, hopefully we, you can follow that same pattern. Of course, there's a given, to be a candidate, the patient must have a good area of donor supply. The, the supply and the manufacturer supply being the donor area, the, the area in the back of the head and the sides. The and, and, you know, that, that's what, we, what I'd call the, kind of the horseshoe hair. The, the horseshoe hair, the hair that goes around the sides of the head and toward, around the back, uh, that is programmed to grow forever. That, that's hair that will, even in bald men, generally will never fall out entirely. And that's the principle behind the transplants, because when you take the hair from those donor areas, it relies on something called donor site dependence, where the hair retains its quality to grow essentially forever and you rely on that to help move the hair to a new location and have it continue to grow and by doing that as you said in large numbers and you can really change the appearance of someone's scalp. Yeah, the genetics of hair is at the root level of the hair so those hair roots that we take from the donor area from the horseshoe shape area as you call it, to bring to the area of need they will continue to grow for as long as they were going to grow where they came from, which is, most, is the most encouraging concept. And um, that's really well, Now, I wonder if you could give us your opinion. We were talking a little bit about, uh, of course, minoxidil and Propecia, I think, I think you would agree, they're FDA approved, we know that they're effective. What right. are your thoughts on some of the topical treatments, whether it's uh, shampoos, creams, tonics, etc., that you'll see in every drugstore in the world? Well, there's been for centuries a lot of potions and lotions that have been sold with that purpose, uh, for that purpose. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Propecia, I mean, Oxidil, certainly, uh, especially Propecia, I think is very, very uh, helpful to prevent father loss and maybe to have some regrowth, particularly on the crown area, the back part of the head, not on the front hairline so much, but on the crown area. Yeah. 
focusing on younger people, younger patients that are beginning to have a, you know, if you have a 19-year-old young man or 20-year-old that comes to your office and already thinking quite a bit, then those, those are the ones that respond better to, to Propecia. And now, Spencer, you were actually one of those guys. Yeah, that's how I started my career. You know, I was a young hair loss sufferer who was able to, um, luckily enough, find a doctor who's willing to prescribe Proscar at the time, which is a five milligram dosage of finasteride. And we're talking about the, you know, 1993, 1994, when everyone was, you know, no one really knew what the long-term adverse, possible adverse effects would be of the drug. I was willing to try it. And it stopped my hair loss. I actually regrew a significant amount of hair to the point where now I'm in my 40s and have a pretty, you know, good-looking, uh, or I would, I would say a, a, an acceptable head of hair. Uh, and I should be probably about a Norwood 5, Norwood 6, according to my, my lineage. So it works. You know, I think that the key is early intervention, and I, I know Dr. Barrera would agree with that. And also, you know, when you're talking about surgical hair restoration, a lot, what a lot of guys don't know is that, in my view, and Dr., you can correct me if I'm wrong, I really think that if you're going to go for uh, uh, surgery, you really should be on, if your body can tolerate it, uh, finasteride or minoxidil at the very least. Because now, now, Alfonso, do you recommend your patients to be using the medications? I, I, I think it's, it's only helps them to not lose any more hair, which is, I mean, that's a big, you know, quantum leap, leap advancement. And also, may, they, like we said, we, you may get, you may, they may get some regrowth, particularly on the crown area. Some of them, patients that I see, a lot of them are, have fears of side effects and so on. I tell them it's, they are very rare, you know, I mean, the side effect, the, you know, the loss of libido and impotence is extremely rare. And I think it's a lot of it is just the thought of it. I don't think it's a, you know, a whole lot of the, you know, compared to placebo, it's, it's just what a 1% difference or something. What, it, was a, it was like less than a half a percent difference between the placebo group and uh, the guys who were taking the drugs who suffered the adverse side effects. Yeah, I think we all agree as far as that goes. It's, it's not a significant uh, factor to worry about. Uh, Alfonso, let me ask you, of the patients that, that you operate on, yeah. how many of them are also taking medications approximately? Probably about half of them, and I, I encourage it, but if they're a little nervous, I don't push it. Sure. And, um, uh, and uh, I, mean, I think it's, it's a good good medication to take. Uh, the other side effect, the gynecomastia, as mentioned, I've heard about it. I've never seen that happen. Have you seen that, Spencer? Well, you know, as you know, we're like the clearinghouse for complaints, and through my show, I, I get all the guys who are emotionally, you know, screwed up by hair loss. And, yes, I mean, people have complained about it, but it's pretty rare. And but, you know, the thing is, gynecomastia happens in, in a, a significant portion of men, whether they're taking these medications or not. So it's hard to say causally whether it's been a medication or, or, or that. Now, we're coming up to close on the show. I just wanted to ask you, Dr. Barrera, what are your thoughts on the, the FUE, the follicular unit extractions? This is a technique for the listeners where you take the hairs. Not only are you grafting the hairs one or two at a time, you're harvesting them that way. So it is essentially sc completely scarless. Yes, uh, I'm very familiar with that technique. Of course, Dr. Uh, Alan Bauman is uh, one of the pioneers on this, and uh, James Harris in, in New Mexico, and they get very good results. I, I personally been traditionally using the elites, and uh, I feel in my in my hands with my team, we are more accurate in, in saving the hair follicles, the intactness of the follicles. We get better yield. Although I'm sure there's a learning curve, and you can get better and better when you're using the FUE technique. 
So the technique where you're, where you're harvesting the one and two hairs at a time, you really want to go to someone who's been doing it for a long time, has the experience, and, and not go to someone who just bought that harvesting machine. If there's someone not experienced, there can be a lot of wastage of hair follicles. Can I interject one, one quick thought? Sure. Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, I mean, it's it's really promoted as a scarless procedure. There's no such thing as a scarless hair transplant. And people have to understand that you're going to get these tiny micro scars. Sometimes they're going to be visible. And if you do a, a significant amount of grafts, if you remove a certain a significant amount of grafts, say two, 3,000, 4,000 grafts, it's possible to have a moth-eaten effect in the donor area. So I think people really need to know, and Dr. Burr is right, who they're going to. And someone really has to have a lot of experience. And please be aware of technicians performing the majority of the surgery as opposed to the doctor being involved because that's what's happening these days. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of turnkey practices where you go for hair transplants where the doctor is the show front, makes the sale, you know, closes the deal, and then uh, maybe the doctor takes the strip and closes it and then leaves it to the technicians to do the entire rest of the surgery. Now, I will say, and I'm sure, Dr. Barrera, you have your whole team that's worked with you for years, there's nothing wrong with having uh, help in the operating room to dissect the strip and to, oh, yeah, to yeah, help. You have to. You know. All of the graft in my practice, all of, all of the graft are, are, are dissected by my technicians. Sure. What I do different is I myself am there for every single graft insertion. Right. And I think that's critical. I mean, of all the guys that are doing really great work, that's what they're doing. You're the one controlling it. You know, we could talk about this just, just for so many hours. I wish we had more than just a one-hour show to talk about it. But we are, unfortunately, out of time. Spencer, uh, I want to give you a chance. Tell, tell everyone your website if they want to learn more. Well, they can go to theballtruth.com, or if they want to check out the American Hair Loss Association, go to AmericanHairLoss.org. That's great. And these are, the American Hair Law Association is a great organization to get good information. There's lots of resources there. Bill, if people want to learn where they can come and use your lasers, get hair treatments, where would they go? That would be hlcc123.com, and they can find uh, one of our 130 locations in 27 countries around the world. So hlcc123.com, it's a, a reliable, trustworthy place to go and get an opinion to see if the lasers are something that can help you. And, of course, Dr. Barrera, your website, if people would like to learn more about you? Uh, it's the www.lookinggood.com. So the, word, the word good put together, two Gs, lookinggood.com. So lookinggood.com, Dr. Alfonso Barrera, one of the premier transplant surgeons in the United States. If you're in the Houston area, I strongly recommend Dr. Barrera. In fact, I've sent patients from Miami to go see him in Houston for hair transplants. Uh, I think he's one of the best. Uh, that's our show for today. I really appreciate uh, Spencer Cobrin joining us, uh, William Blatter, and Dr. Alfonso Barrera. Next week, our show is going to be all about makeup. We're going to have people talking about the mineral makeup, which is one of the best that you can buy, uh, semi-permanent, which will last quite a long time, but is not permanent, and even permanent makeup. Join us next week on New Reflections when we talk about makeup. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something about hair loss. I hope we've helped someone learn the true story and the true options and get good information, which is what we're all about here on New Reflections. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.